That's going to be, uh, next Sunday's going to be one good Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. And, and um, I think as much uh, time to ask questions as uh, being here for worship and uh, having, hearing him speak, but then following up and asking the questions. It'll be great, uh, great thing for us to do. So uh, let me ask you, do you, do you love a good challenge? Do you, do, do you like it when someone comes along and, um, and they put in front of you a, a challenge to do something at a whole different level, like you've never done before? You know, that, you know whatever area it might be, they're just saying to you, man, let's, let's just go for this, this whole new deal that you've, you know, that's going to raise that bar of a, of a challenge, you know? Do you like that? Anybody? You like that kind of a deal? Do you, do, how, do you, how, how do you like getting out of your comfort zone? You like getting out of your comfort zone? You, you know, and, and doing something that, I mean, this is like it's going to be a stretch for you. And, and even, even something with a little edge of danger in it. Our d- daughter Nikki recently handed me one of those challenges. Uh, it's... One I love getting from her, not only because it's, uh, it's going to do this challenge thing for me, it's going to stretch me big time, but I'm going to be able to experience it with her. I mean, that might be the best part of, of it all, to be able to share that experience with, uh, with Nikki. Nikki, is a, she's, a, she's an outdoor person through and through. I mean, that, that almost defines my daughter. She, that's, that's one of the reasons she moved to Seattle, all right, and I don't know if you've ever been to Seattle. If you haven't, uh, you've got to go there at least once in your life. I mean, it's, it's got about everything that you'd want to have to live in a beautiful place. And the, the whole nine yards, it's kind of all wrapped up in, in Seattle. Well, Nikki's done about everything you can do outdoors in the nine years that she's lived there. She's the mountain skiing, the, the rowing, hiking in the mountains, uh, Running, she's a, she's a, she runs marathons, she just loves that. Just, and, and, and then bike riding, long distance, push it hard kind of, kind of biking. Last month she did two bike rides. She did one from Seattle to Portland, and she did one from Seattle to Vancouver. Both of them are 200 mile long bike rides. And, the, the Seattle to Vancouver is all in the mountains, so it's, it's a, there, there's a lot of steep climbs that go with it. It's, again, it's 200 miles in one day. They started at 7 o'clock in the morning, and they finished at 2.30 in the afternoon. If you do your math, that figures out you're pushing it, especially when you think going up, going up mountains. <laughs> so we're talking a few weeks ago, and Nikki says, Dad... I've got a great father-daughter experience for us. And I'm going, okay, you know. And, and she said, this is what you got to do, Dad. You got to get a bike. And then you got to start training. And then next summer, she said, we'll start easy. We'll do the 200-mile ride from Seattle to Portland, all right? Don't, don't miss this, 200 miles, okay? And then she said, next summer... We'll do the one to Vancouver. Does that, does that sound great, Dad? You know? Now, don't miss this. i got to say it again. 200 miles. Okay? I have not been on a bike on, I mean, go back to when Nikki was in grade school. 
I, I was trying to think, when's the last time? At least grade school, maybe even before that. So, man, I, you know, it's like, yeah. So, there it is. Yeah, all right? Yesterday at the end. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, by the way, it's great having some of our tribe here this morning. All right? Welcome. All right. Good. So, um, yesterday, I haven't had time to do this until yesterday afternoon, and uh, I got this bike. I was excited about this thing with Nikki after she asked me to do it, but something happened. After I got that bike, I, I te texted her a picture of me with the, with the bike, and, and I said, you know what, Nikki? I was excited before, but now, once I made the commitment, I'm really excited. You know? I thought, you know, that's kind of like the Christian life, you know? So you might be wondering, what, what is this all about? What, why, why are you telling us about this? Well, here's why. This morning, we're going to look, uh, we're going to see that Jesus Christ isn't far into this sermon, the one we started last Sunday, the Sermon on the Mount, before he gives his listeners, and that includes you and me here today, what I believe is the best and the biggest challenge that you and I could ever be given in our, in our whole life. Now, no question about it. The sermon Jesus gave, what, what's known to many as the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, it, it is a piece of of a brilliant thought. It really is. And it's designed to launch a movement that has the potential to change the world. And I'm not, I'm not overstating that, all right? To, to change the world you and I live in. Uh, the world as close to, uh, as our own family, the, the neighborhood we live in, where we work every, every day, and our world extending to the city and beyond the city to our nation. And I would even say our world, including other nations in this world. And I'm not, I'm not overstating this. It's that big. It has that much potential. But before unpacking this, Jesus said what needed to be said so that you and I would know what we're getting into before we, before we actually buy into this challenge and we accept it for ourselves. We've got to know, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? What are we getting into? Um, I got to tell you, this challenge that we're talking about today, it's one that takes us out of our comfort zone, so much so that it's even dangerous. <laughs> um, talking to one of the guys after first service, he said, Bad, it's really cool what you're doing, you know, with your daughter riding the bike. And, and he said, but, you know, be really careful because two of my friends got killed. Uh, so... Now, yeah, that's good. That there's a reason for the helmet, okay? So last Sunday, we talked about beginning our relationship with God. This morning, our focus is going to shift from our relationship with God to the world, our relationship with the world in which we live in. And, and Jesus makes two statements that makes this shift very clear to us. The first one is in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 5, where he said, you are the salt of the earth. And the second one is in verse 14, where he said, you are the light of the world. Two concise statements to show us what we're, what we're to be. We're to be salt and we're to be light. These two words define our challenge. And they do it by summing up how you and I 
living the rest of this sermon, how it's possible that you and I can impact the world in which we live in. Not in a little way, but, it, but in a big way. That's the challenge that we're going to see today. I'll say it again. It's a it's the best and it's the biggest challenge that you and I could ever be given. It takes us to a whole new level of living. It, and, and, and what it does, really, it, it takes us out of our comfort zone. It, it, and, and it's even dangerous. I mean, it's even dangerous. It's a danger part that becomes the third point in today's sermon. So we're going to talk about being salt and we're going to talk about being light and we're going to talk about the danger that, that comes with both of them. All part of the challenge that Jesus gives us. A, a challenge that, that comes with a movement that Jesus Christ launched with this sermon. All right? So, the uh, thing you might not know, and let me, I, I said this first service. Sometimes it seems like the, the more I'm feeling a sermon, the more thirsty I get. So, uh, not always, but sometimes. So, bear with me, Okay. You might not realize it, but this movement that Jesus Christ launches, it's like he's launching it again because it began with a man by the name of Abraham when God called him with these words. And some of you might recognize them. He, in, in Genesis chapter 12, God speaking to Abraham and he said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And so what we see here is that the blessing that God uh, uh, first used to describe the, the difference that presence, our presence can make in our world. It, it's, you know, as I look at that, I can't, honestly, everybody, I cannot think of a word that has, that is more joy-filled, that has more promise, more potential, you know, than, than the word blessed. I, I just think it's, it's the best word that we could use. And it's very clear that God blessing Abraham was never meant to stop with Abraham. Abraham was blessed by God to be a blessing to the world, to bring joy and hope and everything that can make this world a better place, that, that helps bring it to the place that God intended it to be. Abraham was blessed by God to be a blessing to others, and this, the same is true for every single one of us here this morning who identify ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ. You and I are blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing wherever we are. So here's another question, all right? Anyone here today know that you've been blessed by God? All right? Just feel free. You can raise your hands. You'd say, yeah. If, if you look at your life, would, would, you, would you say that you've been blessed by God in more than a few ways? When you, you look at your life, everything that God's provided since the day you were born, when you think of it all, you know? Loving parents, a, a home to live in, clothing and food and education and family and friends and your ability to think and learn, you know, the opportunities to use all of those abilities that God has, that God's given to you, the, the beauty of this world in which we live and, you know, uh, physical strength and, and health. I mean, when you think of all of this, would you say that you've been blessed by God? All right. Okay. 
Now, on a, on a side thing here, okay? Uh, it might be that uh, you would say, you know what, Steve, not so much the loving parents part, you know? But I've had enough conversations with followers of Christ who might, might have grown up in that situation where, where they would also, if, if they were up here talking to me this morning, they'd say, but you know what? God even blessed me through that because God used it to draw me to himself. And, and God became for me what my parents were not for me. And, and so I just want to encourage you this morning. God can do that. God can do that for you. When you think about God's love for you, God sending his son to this earth to be your savior. God giving you his Holy Spirit to strengthen you. God giving you his word to guide you. God giving you the, the, the abilities and, and, and spiritual gifts to serve others. God, God giving you that sense of purpose and joy that comes with serving others. God giving you the, God giving you the promise of heaven. When you think of all of that, would, I'm going to ask you again. Would you say that you've been blessed by God in a big way? Amen. All right. Very good. Just want to make sure. So you know what I think? Guess that qualifies all of us to be a blessing to others, right? Yeah. Okay. You see, God could be speaking to every single one of us here today. God could have a conversation with you right now, and God could say to you, I have blessed you to be a blessing to others. I have blessed you to be a blesser, to be a blesser, to be a blesser. Okay, let's see, let's see how we're to do this, okay? First of all, uh, we do it by being salt, and Jesus said this in, in verse 13. He, he said, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by man. It's likely the, the first thing that comes to mind when think of salt is the flavor it brings to food. Anybody here use salt in your, in your food, you know? Yeah, right? I mean, it, it, there's something about salt. It, it, it can bring flavor to, to food. And, and so one way for you and I to think of being salt and, and, and blessing the world in which we live is, is to bring flavor to what sometimes can be a, a flavorless world. I, I just want you to watch this video. I think this is kind of fun, and it kind of shows a little bit of what life is like for many people. Thank you. 
I don't, I don't know if you've noticed, but wherever I am, whether it's a grocery store or someplace else, you know, I just, I can't help but see sometimes just a stressed look on people's faces. And I know that there's just a lot of people who are hurting in our world, you know, and it's just, a lot that's overwhelming to people. And I think it's pr probably this is especially true these days. And honestly, I, you know, as I think about it, I think, man, one of, the, one of the ways that you and I can just bring flavor to our world is just simply doing whatever we can to bring a smile to other people's faces. You know, just a little sense of joy, a little laughter, you know. And I just think of, of, of any group of people who have a reason to smile. It's, it's those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, just knowing how much we've, we've been blessed by God. The other thing about salt is that not only does it bring flavor to food, but it, especially in the ancient world, this was so important because they didn't have refrigerators like we have today. Salt was a preservative. It, in fact, it was so valuable, there were wars fought over salt back then. And, and I mean, because it, it just made all the difference because food would just decay and rot with, without it, especially something like meat. Our Lord looked at the world of his day and he saw what was happening in that world back then. It's very, very much of what's like happening in our world today. I mean, there's, there's moral decay, there's corruption, there's sin of every form. And, 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 and Jesus tells his listeners, to, he, he's calling them to be to this world what salt is for food, to influence their part of their world, to save it from Decay. So what does this mean? It means that when you see someone's life falling apart, problems inside and problems outside that is caused by their own moral compromise, you, you, you don't walk away from that person in disgust. You, you care for them. You, you do what you can to help them. You become involved in their life to help end that moral decay and everything that's destroying them. One of the things I, I love about being able to go to a, a place like Lifetime Fitness several times in, in a week is the opportunity that gives me to to enter into conversation with people. Yeah? And what I've found, and I've found this to be true, really just as far back as I can think, is, is that you, you talk with somebody who has no relationship with God at all, and, 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 and if, you, if you just give them a decent opportunity to understand that you really care for them, that you genuinely love them, and, and you listen to them as they talk about their life, I just find over and over again they, they trust you and they begin to open up to you. Just, sometimes it just blows my mind what people will say to me in, in a place like that. But it all starts with with trust, and then it gives you if, you, if you've got trust, then you can speak into that person's life very honestly. And so last week I was having a conversation with a guy, and, and we've had enough conversations that he knows I care for him. And he started telling me about something that he had done in his life, and it, it, was, it was moral compromise. It, it just wasn't a good thing. And, and because of the trust in our relationship, I could, I could just look him right in the eye and I'd, I, I could say to him, you know what, you're getting too old. You've got to make smart decisions in your life. And he took it, you know. 
He listens. It also means that you and I see, as we see the moral decay of our nation and the devastating result in people's lives, as followers of Jesus Christ, you and I do not, we should never pull in and, and isolate ourselves from the world around us. We should find ways to bring hope and truth and help. We, we've got to get involved in the moral and, and social and economic problems that are hurting and destroying the lives of so many people. And boy, right now, I mean, with a, an election just ahead of us in less than two months, I mean, man, what a great opportunity we've got. If there's, if there's any group of people who should vote, it's, it's those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. And, and the thing that we've got to do is we've got to, we've got to vote with biblical intelligence got to understand what are the big issues right now that are at stake. Things like the sanctity of life and, and the sanctity of marriage. And so we got to know what's going on here. And we got to vote with, with God-given intelligence on these kinds of things. And, and don't miss this, okay, everybody? All of what I'm talking about, we got to do it with humility with a humility that recognizes that apart from God's grace, we, we, you and I would just be following right along with the moral values of the world in which we live. You see, we simply have got to respond and be for others what Christ has been for us. I mean, I, I, honestly, it just makes me so sad when I hear a Christian just badmouth, you know, somebody because of, you know, a politician or anybody else. I mean, we, we just can't do that. We've got to be gracious like Christ is. You see, we, you and I can know that we're, faulty, we're, we're, we're salty followers of Christ. If, if others have one of two reactions to us, either they push back, they, they don't really like us all that much, or they say to us, man, I'm really glad you're here. I'm glad you work at this place. I'm glad you live in this neighborhood. I'm a better person. This place is a better place because you're here. And the way for us to know if we're a salty church, if we're doing what God wants us to do as a church, is if we'd be missed if God suddenly pulled us out of here and we weren't here. And, and so I, I, you know, I just want to tell you, one of the things I'm so glad is that we are a salty church, but I want us to be even saltier. Okay? Jesus also said that we're to bless this world by being light. And so verse 14, he, he said this, you... You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And neither do people light a lamp and, and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it, it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Hundreds of, of years before uh, Jesus said this, God spoke to the nation of Israel through the prophet Isaiah and, 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 um, and, and basically said the same thing. And we'll put that scripture up there and you can read it. God said, I will make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. See, so it's not a new deal that Jesus is calling us to. God did it 
God did it. I mean, it stretches all the way back to God's call to Israel. And, and, and unfortunately, instead of being light to others, they became spirit, as spiritually dark as the world around him, around them. And, and so what I want to say to us all this morning is we don't want history to repeat itself with us. Okay? So here we are. Here we are. We're, we're living in a world where we're told one, thing, one of three things about God and eternity. Either we're told there's no God and no eternity, that we're here by accident, and after we die, there's nothing but darkness and decay. And so just make the most out of life now, because when, when you die and it's done, it's done. That's one thing we're told. Or we're told, yeah, there's a God, and... We think there's some kind of life after death. We, we just can't know who God is and, and, and once that life is gonna, what that life is going to be like one, once we die. Or we're told, yeah, there's a God. And this is what this God is like. And I think we all know there's just many different versions of God in our world and none of them are too appealing. They, all the way from a God who is harsh to a God that's absolutely ludicrous. And, 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 and then we're told, you know, try, as, try your best to satisfy this God. You no guarantee for what you have when you step into eternity. All three very dark. Very hopeless. And the contrast between Christianity and, and every other religion in the world really could not be more clearly defined. The light against the darkness. You see, because Christianity says there is a God. And this God, this God is holy and this God is just and this God is loving. So loving he gave his son to be our savior. And we've been created to, to love and to serve this God during our years on, on earth. And, and by God's grace and by God's love, you and I can know through Jesus Christ that we have eternal life in the presence of God himself. That's a lot of light, wouldn't you say? A lot of light. And we do live in a dark world, but you and I, we have the light of God's truth to guide us. And we, we, you know, we can live in the light of the future that we have, this eternal hope that we have to be with God forever. And, and here Jesus is telling us in this passage to live out this, this truth, live, you know, be a light so that everyone around can see it. Saying, don't hide your light like a lamp that's covered. Make your light as visible as you possibly can. Be like a lamp on a stand. Be like a city on a hill that cannot possibly be hidden. Be that bright and that visible. Boy, if there's ever a verse to memorize and, you know, put up in your refrigerator so everybody in your family sees it, I think it's verse 16 of, of this chapter where Jesus said, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Years ago, 1978 to be exact, before a lot of you were born, <laughs> when I was just, uh, when I was in seminary, John Stott wrote this book on the Sermon on the Mount, and a uh, great book. Uh, it's, uh, you can still get it. 
I'd recommend it. But I love the title of the book. I think it's a great title. It's called Christian Counterculture. And I, I, I think it's the, the, the perfect title for a book on the Sermon on the Mount because basically that's what all of the Sermon on the Mount is about. The, the world tells us this is the way to live. Jesus Christ comes along and said, no, this is the way to live. And, and, and very often it's like the complete opposite of, of what the world thinks and what the world values and how the world tells us to live. What Jesus Christ said to us in verse 16, and basically it, he's saying it's not enough to, to speak the truth, to tell the truth. We've got to live the truth. We've got to live it. Okay. See, everybody, let me, let me just say it this way, okay? If people around us do not see us living any differently from every one else, when it comes to the issues that Jesus talks about in this sermon, if that's how it is with us, then we're not lights. We're not a lamp on a stand, and we're not a city on a hill. Which really brings us to the third point in today's sermon, and it's this. When, when we talk about being salt, and when we talk about being light, there's... A, there's some real potential danger that comes with this. Look at what Jesus said in verse 11 and 12. He, he said, blessed are you when people insult you and, and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, I think that uh, the followers of Jesus Christ, um, in fact, I know, in most of the world understand that there's real danger in being salt and light. In fact, I would say the, uh, a magazine every home should have is called Voice for the Martyrs, and I would say it's a, you should read it at least once a week, read, each, read a story, true story, about somebody suffering because of their faith. I could be wrong, but I think we still struggle with it as Christians in America, you know. In a nation that, that has identified itself as Christian since its very beginning, where, where there's been a 236-year history of religious freedom, I think sometimes we, we struggle with the idea that we should suffer for our faith in Christ, but Jesus alerts us to it here. Let's take a moment to... See what he shows us. And the, the first thing is this. You and I should, should expect it. Notice how he phrased it in verse 11. There's, I think there's one word in that verse that's just so important to not miss. He said, blessed are you, what? When. Not if. When. Blessed are you when people insult you and when they persecute you and when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Not if, but when. Which really means that you and I should assume that it's going to happen. We should expect it. We shouldn't be surprised. See? Here, here's what Paul said about this in the sec his second letter to Timothy. And he, said, he said it's a fact. He said, in, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It, 
It's a fact. It comes with the territory. See, you and I can really pretty much be guaranteed that it's going to happen unless we we're a coward and we keep our head down. And nobody knows we're a follower of Christ or, or if we live no differently than anybody else around us. So first of all, we should accept it. The second thing, it's about Jesus. It's not about us. Look how verse 11 ends. He, he said, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of what? Me. Because of me. Um, you know, I, I think it's good to see the change in Peter. Apostle Peter. From a man who denied Christ to a man who was willing to die for Christ, who even died. Here's what Peter said about this in, in 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, I love this. Look, look at this. 1 Peter chapter 4. You've all got it. I'm still turning to it. Um, chapter 4, verse 12. Peter said, Dear friends, don't, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of, of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and God rests on you. And if you suffer, you, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. I, I love, I love the, what he said in, in verse 15. I think that might be my favorite verse there. What you find in there, oh, let's read it again, okay? The, he said, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a, as a meddler. <laughs> this is a, a big-time list of wrong stuff not to do. He, you know, he says, don't murder, don't be a thief, don't commit any kind of crime. And, and then he said this, don't meddle, don't meddle. I, I love this. You know, it's like, don't kill, don't steal, do a, don't do any kind of crime, and don't be a busybody. Don't stick your nose in where you shouldn't be poking your nose in. Eh? That same Greek word can also mean to be tactless, which I, I think is equally good that Peter included it in this list. So he, he's, he's really saying, if you, use, if you understand it that way, Peter is saying, if you're a Christian and you're talking about your faith or anything for that matter, and you're doing it in a tactless way, an abrasive or insensitive way, and people react against you. Don't say that you're being persecuted for the sake of Jesus Christ. Because the truth is you're being persecuted because you're acting like a jerk. That's what he's saying. Okay? So we should expect it. It's about Jesus. It's not about us. And the third thing Jesus said, there's no room for self-pity. He said it, first of all, by saying, man, we're blessed if this happens to us. And, and then look at what he said in verse, in, in verse 12 in Matthew 5. I mean, how he started it. He said, rejoice and be glad. <laughs> you see, I, I think you put those two statements together and it's easy to see that Jesus is telling us, never whine. Don't whine when you suffer for me. Yeah. 
You and I should never be saying to ourselves or to other Christians, oh, it's not fair. I should never have to suffer. You see, we should count it a privilege. and We should rejoice when that happens. The good news, everybody, and what makes it worth it, is that there are going to be those who are drawn to Christ because of the life we live and because of the testimony we give of God's grace through Jesus Christ. And that's the fourth thing that Jesus shows us about the danger of being salt and light. Look, look at this. Uh, there are going to be those who are going to trust in Christ. Verse 16. I love how this verse ends. He said in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You know what? It's going to happen, everybody. People are going to react one of two ways. They're going to respond one of two ways to us living our faith in Jesus Christ and telling them about our faith in Jesus Christ. Either you're, we're going to have some people who are going to hate our guts. I mean, they're just going to push back and they're just going to absolutely, you know, they don't want anything to do with us because of that. But you know what? There's going to be others who are going to trust in Jesus Christ. They're going, to, they're going to be drawn to Christ by the life that you're living and by your testimony of God's grace through Christ. And you know what? In the end, they're going to end up praising God with you. Wow. I can't, I can't think of anything better than to be able to dream of someday stepping into heaven and looking over and seeing somebody that I shared my, I, my faith in Jesus Christ with and they're standing there and they're praising God knowing that they're going to do that forever. Yeah. And let me say this. If both of these are happening, if you're having people react against you, they can't stand your guts, or you have people who are drawn to Christ because of you, you know what? You're in the zone. You're in the sweet spot, everybody. You're exactly where God wants you to be if that's happening. One more, okay? I love it. It's so encouraging. You know what? You live this way, you're going to be honored by God in heaven. Look at verse 12. He said, there's a reason to rejoice and be glad. He said, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. I mean, it all ends in incredible joy. I mean, imagine being honored by Almighty God, the creator of this universe, the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And, and think of, I mean, think of the reward that's going to be yours in heaven for all of eternity. It's never going to end. It's never going to end. I mean, you think about that, right? I mean, how could we care if someone tears down our reputation during a few years on, on this earth. and I mean, how could we even care if we lose our life? We're doing it. It's nothing better, really. Nothing better than living life with a challenge. I would say that, that staying in our comfort zone where life is comfortable, you know what? I think that's... It's self-serving, it's boring, and it's to our own harm. It's just going to make us less of a person. But live life with a challenge. 
And you're going to keep on growing spiritually. You're going to have a life that's filled with purpose and joy that's incredibly fulfilling in every way. So you know what? I'm grateful for the challenge that Jesus gave us to be salt and light. Now, even welcome the challenge that comes with it, yeah? So you with me? Huh? Are you with me on this? That's a big commitment. So how about this? How about this? How about if God taps you on the shoulder like Nikki one day tapped me on the shoulder? And God has this conversation with you and God says to you, you know what? I've got a great God you thing that we could do together. <laughs> yeah. And this is what it is. Yeah, there's danger with it. But how about it? How about we do it? Boy, kids, you know, all I can say to you this morning is the younger you start doing that way, the younger you start living it, the more exciting your Christian life is. In fact, I'd say that's when the excitement begins. That's when the fun begins. As I look back on my life, I wish I would have started it way much earlier than I did. I wish I wouldn't have waited until my senior year in high school to do it. Parents, young parents, and the earlier you understand this, the better. You know what? You know, you know what turns kids off to church and Christianity? I think more than anything else. It's seeing mom and dad just live comfortable lives. You know? But I'll tell you what turns them on. It's seeing their mother and their father willing to put their life out there for Jesus Christ and, and, and seeing them wanting to buy into the challenge that Jesus gives us. I tell you what, that makes your kids want what you got. And then I'll just say this, all right? The one thing that scares me every time I hear that somebody's going to retire is if they go into it thinking, now I'm going to be comfortable the rest of my life and I kind of paid my dues and now I'm just going to take it easy. That scares me. Because you know what? Then they just live out the rest of their life and they die. And they're all wasted years. But you know what excites me when I hear somebody who's going to retire? It excites me when I hear them say, and man, I just want to use these years for my Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to max them out for Jesus Christ. Yeah, this is big stuff here today, everybody. This is like a defining time in our lives. That's what it is. That's what we're t talking about today. It's like, it's like what we do with today makes all the difference the rest of our life. Not only for us, but for the world in which we live. Beginning at home. Let's stand together and, and I'll close our time in prayer. And Rob's going to come and, and um, he's going to do a song of worship. But if you've got kids, you've got to go. And because uh, you, you know, you got to. But if you want to just stay, if you don't have kids with you and you don't have to pick them up, uh, stay and finish off. This is a great song. And I preached way long. So let's, let's pray, okay? Let's pray. God, I just simply ask this of you. God, help us not to miss this today. Help us not to miss it.
but help us, God, to grab onto it with all our heart. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you.